Welcome to Veterinary Advice, Animal News, and Views, the show dedicated to pets and the people who love them. Brought to you by DrRogerHolisticVet.com, the place for safe and effective natural healing for dogs and cats. Now, here's your host, practicing veterinarian, Dr. Roger Welton. Good evening, pet lovers, and welcome to Veterinary Advice, Animal News and Views. I'm your host, Roger Welton, coming to you from Florida's Space Coast. In my final broadcast of 2014, we are taking a little bit of a detour from my preventative pet health care series. Started that a little bit later in the year, not realizing it would run into what I typically do for my last broadcast of a given year, which is to do a sort of recap, year in review, final thoughts, so to speak, and close the year out, starting afresh in 2015. It's a little bit of a tradition of mine, and I didn't want to detour from it, but I promise you, as soon as we start 2015 in my first broadcast, I will be resuming the Preventative Pet Healthcare series and then wrapping that up probably sometime in the month of January, move on to other things. But that's been very dear to my heart, and I just want to remind everyone that I will be back returning to that topic. But tonight, I'm coming to you with my year in review wrap-up. We don't have any email questions tonight, which is surprising, but for those of you wanting to start the new year in my first episode with a question, comment, or anything you'd like me to share on the air... That email address is comments at web-dvm.net. Comments at web-dvm.net. Excuse me. So let's jump right into our topic. So what are the major things that 2014 caused me to reflect on? Well, I think one of the first things I'd like to talk about is alternative medicine. Because I've been discussing this for years. I've been integrating alternative medical practice into the practice of my medicine in combination with traditional medicine, making it part of my repertoire and enabling my patients to benefit from the best of all medicine. I don't believe any one branch has all of the answers. And when there is proven benefit from things that may not be part of the mainstream but have proven benefit, you got to consider these things, but still, I was very much in the minority doing some things and considering some things that some of my colleagues didn't buy into, and some of them found downright ludicrous. But where I got these ideas, I didn't just pull them out of the blue. It wasn't just, oh, hey, it's something I uh, dreamt up or happened to read something online that piqued my curiosity. No, it's nothing like that. In the course of doing continuing education through the years, I've always been very curious about other treatment modalities, natural healing, and that's why I created the website drrogerholisticvet.com because that in very very much showcases that side of the matter and how I practice. It's not all of it. I don't believe every answer is in natural healing because sometimes you do have to treat the disease, but at the same token, why not throw all of it out there? So through the years, I've done continuing education, and rather than just always focus on the same traditional medical topics, I've always kept my eye out for creative and less invasive, less toxic ways to manage disease. 
So little by little, I would catch an acupuncture lecture here, a rehabilitation therapy laser lecture there. I would perhaps latch onto a stem cell lecture, stem cell therapy. And little by little, just picked up little, you know, bits and pieces of alternative medicine that were being presented at some of the largest and most respected veterinary conferences in the country, namely NAVC, which is the one that's right down the road from me, right in Orlando. It is the biggest and the best, and I have access to that. It's a 45-minute drive for me. So these aren't things I dreamt up, but it was interesting that here I was with a therapy laser. As early as 2010, I got my therapy laser, and I was the only one in the area that had one. I just couldn't believe it. And and the reason I bought one was because in 2010, I was at NAVC, the North American Veterinary Conference in Orlando, and I saw this therapy laser thing, regenerative healing with low-level laser, and I thought, well, that sounds interesting. I sat through the first lecture at 9 a.m., and it was put on by Colorado State College of Veterinary Medicine, and in particular, the surgery department of all departments to put on rehabilitation and alternative therapy, the Department of Surgery? Really? This is interesting to me. So these surgeons come on, and they are just really just going through clinical data and showing the benefit of this thing and really believing in it, which coming from a surgeon is, is, is not the most common thing because a surgeon, obviously, they're trained to go in there and fix something, to use their surgical skills and their knowledge of anatomy to fix, to repair. That's what they do. But here I am listening to therapy laser, water treadmill, nutritional management, regenerative therapy through nutrition. I couldn't believe it. I was flabbergasted. I ended up staying in that classroom the whole day. Not the classroom, but the lecture hall. The entire day. I spent all eight hours of that day just transfixed on this topic. And that was that was early 2010. But again, that was one little corner of NABC. And I just happened to catch it. And, and I started to integrate that into my practice. So Year after year, I would catch little bits and little pieces, again, of something like that, where there was <clears throat> something being put on by a very legitimate uh, source at a very legitimate conference that had clout, it had merit, it had study and university backing, just great stuff, but few and far between. Well, in 2014, I just saw a big paradigm shift in our profession where rather than be like this lone person in my county, this lone voice talking about this stuff, suddenly I'm still in the minority, I'd say, but but I'm not alone and I'm not in very small number company. Now there are other uh, therapy lasers in use in my county. I'm not the only game in town, which, you know, it was nice to have that one thing that was very unique to my practice, but at the same token, I'm glad to see that the word is out that other other veterinarians are enabling other animals and and of course pet owners of these animals to benefit from this therapy laser but you know it's su- suddenly become more mainstream to consider alternative options and so the big 3 are therapy thera- uh, therapy laser we talked about that stem cell therapy has become something that is really very much in the conversation stem cell therapy is where we actually harvest or harvest um, what are cells known as stem cells that can differentiate into any kind of tissue 
and I, I did a whole show on that, but it's a very cutting-edge science in veterinary medicine right now that is we're looking at to, to treat a whole number of different ailments from spinal cord disc disease to general arthritis, kidney failure. We're even starting to look at cardiomyopathies, uh, diseases of the heart muscle and heart valves. Incredible stuff, and it, it, it's exciting to see where this is, where, where we're going to go with this now that it's, again, very much in the conversation. I think the important thing is making these things affordable, right? Because we don't have, unfortunately, in 97% of cases, pet insurance to fall back on to pay for these things. So, you know, cost is a very important thing in veterinary medicine, but this push for alternative medicine and the openness to it, and now the universities all getting on board with it. University of Florida has an entire clinic dedicated to traditional Chinese veterinary medicine. You can actually rotate through there. You can do a residency in traditional Chinese veterinary medicine. And that's going to include acupuncture, electroacupuncture, liquid acupuncture, or aqua acupuncture. It's going to include herbal therapy. The department is run by a renowned guru of traditional Chinese veterinary medicine, a gentleman named Dr. Shea, who I learned, I had the, the great privilege to learn acupuncture from. So you got University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine that is actually offering traditional Chinese veterinary medicine as a specialty. And also, even if you're not going to take that specialty as an optional wing or clinic that you can actually rotate through and take on that experience as part of your whole general medical repertoire as you work towards your DVM, which I think is just phenomenal. So, you know, 2014 to me, I think is a big turning point for veterinary medicine. Um, I, and I'm, I'm just excited to see where we go from here. So I think to me, that's one of the biggest things that, that jumps out. Number two for me is going to be this is not as much of a positive thing, unfortunately, but suddenly the media just really turned on veterinary medicine, veterinarians in general. I just don't know what occurred here, but uh, you know, there's enough, certainly enough villains out there for the media to find their scandal du jour, because you know, we know scandalous news is always the most attractive to the general population. Good news doesn't sell, but scandalous news does, and Again, plenty of villains out there, but they decided to turn their eyes towards veterinarians. And, you know, we can start with the whole trifexis controversy. I don't want to get into that too much because I dedicated a whole episode to that. But, you know, just a long, going to try to do a long story short on this one because there's a couple more very important instances where the media just was just so horribly unfair to veterinarians. But, the trifexis controversy started with a woman who had a geriatric dog. dog was old, old, old dog. And she'd been given the dog, actually, trifexis for two years. For those of you that don't know what trifexis is, it's a combination of heartworm, intestinal parasite, and flea preventive. Essentially, it's, it's nothing really new in terms of molecular products or, let's say, molecular ingredients that have been out there. All it really did was combine milbomycin oxime, which is a heartworm and intestinal parasite preventive that was around forever in the form of a product called Interceptor, still exists today in a product called Sentinel. Never really heard any you know, horrible death scenarios with those products. And then it also combines with it, that makes it kind of novel, a molecule called Spinosad. And Spinosad is in a product called Comfortis, which is an oral... 30-day flea preventive. You can give it orally and it lasts for 30 days. And 
that product had been around for three years before Trifexis came out. And again, with Spinosad slash Comfortis, you didn't hear any horrible death stories. Well, suddenly, the two get combined in this one product. And so you got Milbamycinoxine, been around forever. Spinosad, been around for quite a while. They're combined in one product. You get your all-in-one. It's cheaper. It's convenient. Life is good. Especially here in Florida, where fleas and heartworm are both terrible problems that we contend with every day here. So this lady, dog's been on Trifexis for two years. She's based out of Georgia. And the, the dog has Cushing's disease, under treatment for that, also has a, a full diagnosis and under treatment for congestive heart failure. So we have a very old dog, been on Trifexis for two years, also has Cushing's disease, also in heart failure. Well, I guess within a few days of giving a Trifexis dose, her dog died. So she was suspicious that the Trifexis had something to do with it since it happened within a few days of the administration of that. Well, she goes back to her vet. Her vet says, well, that doesn't really make sense. Trifexis really doesn't cause that kind of acute death. Or Well, that wouldn't, that wouldn't even be acute death. That would be more of a subacute death because acute death would be you give the tab and they're dead the same day. So vet didn't, didn't buy it, but uh, the veterinarian called Lanco, the company that makes Trifexis, and inquired as to you know what 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 could what the cause what what occurred and and what role could Trifexis have played. So Elanco decides, well, let's not guess at this. Let's go ahead. We'll pay for a post mortem analysis. That that's a necropsy. In people, we call it an autopsy. But essentially, what you're doing is doing a post mortem examination of the body from a gross perspective so you're you know kind of taking it apart and looking at all the tissues and organs and you're also submitting samples for histopathologic analysis and the cause of death was determined to be congestive heart failure well this lady didn't buy it even though her dog had been diagnosed with congestive heart failure and was under treatment for congestive heart failure of which we know that gets worse over time despite treatment you can't cure it you can manage it but eventually it's a battle you often will lose at some point. There's actually data out there that shows when you once you start treat you know the full blown treatment for congestive heart failure, there's actually a mean average lifespan. I don't know what that I don't know what that is offhand, but again, it's a battle you're going to lose at some point. And she, she didn't believe though that that was the cause of that. She was convinced it was Trifexis. Starts a Facebook page called Trifexis Kills Dogs, and <clears throat> got some traction with that. She started to get some likes suddenly. People start coming out of the woodworks and saying, well, you know, come to think of it, I gave my dog Trifexis and this, this, and that happened. And she gets all these likes. And then, of course, the worst thing that possibly could happen happened, which was a opportunistic reporter uh, based out of Atlanta named Jim Strickland decides to run a story on it. And he recruits some more people with Trifexis tales of woe. Now, you know, to be fair, when a pet dies and it's not necessarily obvious as to why they died, there's a lot of emotion and emotion involved. Of course, the, the emotion of losing the pet, there's also the lack of closure that can really, really, really negatively affect people who are grieving. They, you want to have a reason. You've got to be able to put, be, put it behind you. So, you know, my heart goes out to all these people that, that lost their dogs, but they just all got so duped into believing it had to be Trifexis. And this guy, Jim Strickland, was all too 
happy to run with this because, of course, bad news sells. Next thing you know, the Facebook likes of this page are in the thousands. And now we're hearing it at the practice level where people are saying, hey, you know, I'm hearing bad things about trifexis. And 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 some of the stories are just, you know, out outright outlandish in terms of like, you know, the relation or the link to the cause of death. And anyway, it just, it just created this mass hysteria that just isn't true. And, um, what the troubling, most troubling aspect for me was the, the, the nature of these Facebook posts started to get really negative and derogatory towards veterinarians that I don't know if I could ever trust a veterinarian ever again. How could they peddle this stuff knowing it's going to kill my dog just to protect their bottom line? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, unbelievable. Some of the horrible, vile, even violent things being said on this Facebook page about veterinarians. Very troubling for us to swallow that because that's not the case at all. I have my own dog on Trifexis. I adore my dog. He is such an important part of my family. It's a very important product. And heartworm kills. Fleas spread disease. They torment dogs from all the bites. They cause skin infections, some of which can become resistant and dangerous to your family. It's very important to prevent these things and to see this this product thrown under the bus and then veterinarians with it, you know, just, just very upsetting. And if you want to read more about that, just uh, I did a, a podcast and also an article on the Trifexis mass hysteria. You can blog, uh, scroll, scroll through the blog post, but got more to cover here. So we covered trifexis, but that kind of segues into a couple other negative media, quote-unquote, exposés. There was a 2020 episode, ABC evolved, you know, I, I expected better out of them, but they, they ran this story about veterinarians unscrupulously, unethically recommending unnecessary procedures that um, in this new paradigm of losing pet medication sales to internet pharmaceuticals and whatnot and, you know, other bigger chains like Walmart, uh, Target getting into the pet med game now that we're making up for it by recommending, we're we're making up for that loss of revenue by recommending services and procedures that aren't necessary. And one of the things that they pointed out was dentistry. So, you know, to, to, to sit there and and, and look at this and know, know by and large what type of people are in this profession for the most part, knowing how I practice, knowing how my associate practices, and the recommendations that we make. And if anything, you know, we, we are out there really trying to limit the financial impact of our recommendations because we want to be able to balance that line between practicing the best quality medicine we can while making it affordable to the people. You don't want to shortchange them, but at the same time you don't want to you don't want to be in a position where you're you're perceived as gouging. You know, it's this fine line we've I've I've walked it for 13 years and and it's it's very it's very disturbing to me that 2020 would come out and and air this episode so full of things set out of context, tricky camera angles. I mean, just it was just so lousy and so inappropriate and so uncalled for that uh, you know he just walked away, just just feeling a stench in the room. You know, it was just so so upsetting to me. And um, so 
there is such little credibility to this episode. The AVMA actually drafted a response to this. You know, it was that it was that appalling. <laughs> AVMA is the American Veterinary Medical Association, but and then uh, the most recently there was the Indianapolis Star. I guess it's a newspaper up in the Indianapolis area. They actually just did an article that implicates veterinarians in being complicit and in the pocket of big pharma. Big pharma would be pharmaceutical companies that uh, were for sale, that our recommendations by and large come from the highest bidder, who's going to give us the most perks, who's going to write us the biggest checks. That's where our recommendations are going to come from. And if you read the article, it's so just full of innuendo circumstantial discussion, but there's actually no fact in it. There's no proof. And I'm a practice owner. So if anybody's going to be courted by Big Pharma or any entity like that, it's going to be the practice owner. I have the most say. I have actually all the say in what my practice decides to carry and what not to carry. Of course, I get input from my associate as to what products he tends to favor. And we always find that happy medium as to what we're going to carry. But folks, it has nothing to do with what Big Pharma offers me. They don't offer me anything. In fact, they're a thorn in my side for the most part. Yes, I need their medications. Some of them are life-sustaining. Some of them are essential for treating disease, for preventing disease. But if anything, they annoy me. <laughs> Here's the one thing they'll offer us, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this for everybody. You can tell all the conspiracy theorists out there. Every now and then, a pharmaceutical rep will put together what's called a lunch and learn for the staff. They will bring lunch for the staff and for the doctors. And in the process of eating lunch, the lunch that they bring you, they will introduce new products to educate educate us on them and then also give us updates of existing products, complications that they might have been able to resolve Uh, distribution problems that they may have been able to resolve, whatever the case. They're basically bringing us lunch for an hour of our time, and usually the hour of our time that we have to give them is during lunch, so it kind of works for everybody. We have maybe five or six lunch and learns a year, and that's between all of the different veterinary pharmaceuticals. You know, that's not a whole lot of free lunch, (laughs) And uh, that's about all you get. That's really pretty much it. You know, having been a practice owner now for 10 years, just completed my 10-year anniversary of owning my animal hospital, you know, I, I live this. And this 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 nonsense that this Indianapolis Star is discussing is just, it's untrue. And as it turns out, by the way, when I talk to my uh, colleagues in veterinary pharmaceutical or friends that I, ha- I may have in the veter- veterinary pharmaceutical world, it's highly illegal. <laughs> so, you know, to, to pay veterinarians and give them perks and send them off on vacations and, you know, do all these things to get them to carry your stuff, it's illegal. It doesn't, it can't happen on the human side either. So I don't know what they're com- talking about. I stated this time and again, and I'll state it again. Our motivation for becoming veterinarian starts with the animals and who and what we want to treat, which is the animals, what we have a passion for. If money was our primary motivator, we every one of us that practices a veterinarian could could have easily gone into human medicine. It's seven times harder to get into veterinary school than it is 
medical school. No disrespect to my human medical counterparts, you know, doctors on the human side. I'm, I'm not bashing you guys. I'm, I'm not at all. You guys, many of you, are, are very impressive, and it's not to belittle what you do. You're very important. However, I'm just stating the reality that it's seven times harder to get into veterinary school simply because there are seven times less schools to apply to. So you're talking about a huge competition. So, not, so you know, the lucrative value of getting your veterinary degree is going to be at least half of what a human medical doctor will make, sometimes a third of what a human medical doctor will make, depending what field or branch of medicine they may be in. So we are taking a course that's more competitive and challenging, harder to get into, and is going to pay us far less. But our primary motivation is money. We're the ones you, the media really needs to be attacking right now. Really? It's just it's beyond reasoning. And, and, and I, will, I will concede that some people do get corrupted. Some, there's some bad apples in every profession. But when you look at the greater body of veterinarians out there, the people that I know, all my friends are veterinarians. It's just the way it, it kind of worked out, kind of the way it works out. You know, you, you have your circle of friends. They tend to come from, you know, sort of an ilk that you tend to gravitate towards. So, you know, just in the course of do, doing the local veterinary meetings and, um, you know, local events that, that we may have as a veterinary profession, we do have a local veterinary medical association for the county. Then there's a Florida veterinary medical association. You just run into people and, and in the course of it, you become friends and some of the most quality individuals I've had the privilege to know are my colleagues right here in this county. And I'm not saying that there's no bad apples out there, but that is very much the exception to the rule and not even close to the degree that the media is trying to paint us. And it's just unfair. So that was uh, 2014, the year of the media, the media's onslaught against veterinarians. I, I really hope they relent because it's, 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 it's very hurtful. So the last thing I want to bring up, my final thing, and we're going to end on a positive note here. We started off with a positive note. I complained there, you know, but the trifexis and media thing, but we're going to end on a positive note. Rescuing is the cool thing to do. Rescuing is in in 2014. For years, we've been battling puppy mills. We've been battling backyard breeders. We've been trying to convince people, look at these overcrowded shelters in appalling conditions. They're underfunded. They have to euthanize tens of thousands of dogs and cats every day, every year, every week, because they can't accommodate them all. They're being given up, and people go out and they buy more rather than show up and get an animal for free. It's been frustrating, but... Huge headway has been making has been has been uh, has been made. Sorry, has been making. There, groups like Friends for Animal Sanctuary, which I had Catherine Johnson on, who's the head of that. It's a local group here that does tremendous work, tremendous tremendous work, all from revenue derived from a thrift shop that they have volunteers running and uh, selling things that are donated. This, this, this rescue is incredible. They educate. They pull animals out of shelters. They get them spayed, neutered. They bring them to veterinarians that are participating in heavily discounting services for them to get these animals healthy and well and adoptable. 
get them spayed and neutered. I'm proud to be one of those veterinarians. And there's groups like that all over the country. And not only in the course of, of saving these animals are they doing such a wonderful thing for the animals, they're spreading awareness. Groups like this, and I'm using this one as an example because I know them firsthand, they now have political clout. They're drawing the attention of political leaders, the county commissioners. On a state level, they're getting attention. And the word is getting out, and people are getting educated. The ignorance is becoming less. The awareness of the shelter situation is getting greater. And case in point, in Brevard County, the county I practice, in 2014, euthanasia in shelters is down 30%. So that's a trend I'd like to see going. 2014 has been, since I started practicing medicine in 2002, I have never seen the level of people choosing to rescue over purchasing a pet than I have now. And I'm just so, so thrilled and excited to see that, finally. And I'd like that trend to continue. And rarely is the place where I live here a microcosm that is not reflective of the rest of the country. You know, most things that occur here seem to be sort of in line with things that are going on in, in you know, major centers and, and geographic and demographic areas throughout this state and, and the rest of the nation. So I'm hoping, like most other things, that this is not just a microcosm, that this is a national trend. I can't speak for this topic on a national level, but what I can speak for is on a local level, right here in Brevard County, the Space Coast of Florida, we have made a difference. And kudos to those volunteers who has worked tirelessly to help us get to this point. Let's keep going with that. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great and happy new year. I am humbled. I am privileged to talk to you and have you care about what I have to say. And I, I thank you for all these years of listenership. And I can't wait to come back to you in early 2015. We'll probably be broadcasting as early as the first week. I wish everyone a happy, safe, healthy New Year. Thanks again. Take care. Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.